All right. Well, welcome to yet another episode of, I don't know, man. It's supposed to be Fuck You Friday. Maybe it's FYF. I mean, this this whole thing about commercialization and people are worried about coming on the show because we say the word fuck. Whatever. I don't want to go too far. But I'm your host, Wynn Silverman. This is my co-host, Casey LeBlanc. I'm super excited to have Jay Valentine from the Bay to be visiting with us today. Thank you very much yeah. for, uh, for joining us today. I'm, I'm really excited to dig into some things. Um, but what we always do, Case, and, and just do a truncated version of it, I want to let JV know why we're here, um, what what kind of the basis and origin of this podcast is meant to be about, um, and then I want to jump into some things, if you well, don't mind. Well, I think one of the easiest things is that uh, we want to talk about the music industry and how it applies to some of the things we were talking about. We can't even figure out a name for this podcast <laughs> because of some of the bullshit people not understanding, like, oh, this is not good for my brand. Right. How are people going to view it? And you said something right off camera that was like, well, the music industry isn't like that. So tell us a little bit about, first, who you are, what you do, and then how the music industry is kind of like the last living, uh, you know, kind of industry that doesn't really give a fuck. So, so yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so you were like, yeah, I could go on Fuck You Friday. Like, talk about that a little bit. My my first thought was fuck it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but being kind of a lifer in the music business, um, like I was telling you guys off camera, it's the Wild West. Like the music business is the Wild West. It's uh, it's a place where, for the most part, anything goes, right? And you you create your narrative, and what you are. There's no true governing body. Like people bring up, like, oh well, you know, you guys have the Grammys, and you guys. That's just a membership, literally. Like you join the Grammys, you join if if you want to. It's not like oh, I had a hit record or I wrote a, a really good song and now I'm a Grammy member. No. The Grammys is the Soho House, and I'm sure you guys have been to We're the very Soho familiar. House. Yeah. You have to join the Soho House, yeah. and you have to pay a membership. And nobody knows that. That's so yeah. funny, right? Unless you're in the music business. So it's like, even even with that, we watch you know the Grammys every year, and people complain about it. Why wasn't this nominated? Why wasn't this, 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 that? Every song doesn't get nominated. Every, it's not like some factory of people that are just sitting in the back going through every release. No, your song has to be submitted. It has to be voted on. There is, you got to go be a politician. You got to show up to certain things. Like it's a whole. It's so it's a bureaucracy, right? Like absolutely. And, and so it's just like a lot of other industry where there's a lot of bureaucracy and, and yeah. you have to play the game. So let's talk about that. What What is the game in the music well, industry? What's a label? I know, yeah, what? I know nothing. So I want to know. <laughs> I what own are, a label. What the fuck does that mean? So before we get into that, because I I I went past. Mm-hmm. I am a Swiss Army knife in okay. the music business, is what mm-hmm. I would like to say. I've done a, a lot of different things. I started off um, in the creative space. My father, uh, street guy who wanted us to be in music, he always wanted to be a musician and wanted to be in music and pushed us as his kids into music really early from the creative side, singing, dancing. I started on Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco as a street performer. Stop just real, right, real, real quick. So... From a parenting perspective, I just want to flip this just real quickly. You're saying you were pushed, but did you have instinctive love for wanting to be a musician or artist at a young age? Or were you truly pushed? I was pushed. Okay. I was pushed. No, no, no. no, Absolutely. It was decided for Okay. Like, my father's term was, you can quit, but you still have to practice. <laughs> Fuck. How sounds like that? sounds like you was a dad. But like, I'm like, how does that work? No, sound like fucking Joe Jackson. <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he yeah. thought he was Joe Jackson, right? Yeah. So because yeah. they knew each other, right? They did, right? So that's for people that I mean, don't know you. La- yeah. yeah, later on, later on, they did. Okay. Later on, they did. Uh, Joe Jackson actually. Joe Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson's father, father just, um, actually gave us our first deal. <laughs> our first deal when I was five. Literally a baby. My brothers were ten; they were twins, and um, and I was five, and we were, you know, and I had my my oldest brother was eleven, twelve. He was twelve, um, and we were signed to Jackson Records. And were you guys a group or was yeah, it? Yeah, we were a group. We were singing group, singing, okay. singing and dancing, and okay. you know, same kind of Jackson thing, right? Right? Like, I guess I was. I'm with Michael. Yeah. <laughs> not quite. Hopefully, let's go with not quite. Minus the glove. Minus the glove. Minus a lot of things, hopefully. No, nah, nah, fuck all that. <laughs> Mike's a legend. Yeah. And yeah, if yeah. I can find me a glitter glove, yeah, yeah. I'll put that shit on right now, right? There's like, always a price. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, right? Fair enough. There's always a price, right? In in success. Altogether, right? Like, I, at five years old, I'm watching Michael Jackson put on full makeup and mask to go to the rolling skating rink. 
Like, I literally saw that with my own eyes. At five years old, this man could not go outside. He was a he was a prisoner of his own success. How old was he about the time? He might have been 30. No, okay. not even that. So that was no, right was at 20s. That was, that was no, right at his, yeah, his yeah, peak. Yeah, yeah. He was in or his, just starting his peak. He was in his 20s. It okay. wasn't, no, he wasn't even in his 30s yet. No. I'm yeah. Like when I really go back on it, he might have been 25. Okay. This might have been like the around thriller-ish. Mm. Mm. Like I think he I think he had the first big album out. What was the one before uh, Thriller? Uh Off the Wall. Billy Jean was out. Like all that type of stuff. Um and literally seeing that was it was crazy to watch someone have to transform just to go outside. Did you know Michael well enough to know what he was doing like behind the scenes to become Michael Jackson? Um, you mean as far as like the work Success. ethic? Well, yeah, just some yeah, of the things yeah. that he was um, doing because you knew his father, we, you knew the family a we, little bit. We, we got glimpses. Okay. We got glimpses of just when he went into rehearsals and just really got, you know, got focused on on that. You know, when they, I mean, but seeing these, and, and yeah, and he was kind of the first artist that I got to see up close that had to go into those 12, Places. 16 hour rehearsal days type of thing mm-hmm. that make you who you become that make you great enough to stand on the front of the stage for five straight minutes and not say anything and, you're just and, you. and people lose their mind. Can you, you know what I mean? Can, I have such a question because this is such a different side of the brain that I, I just <laughs> have an exercise and I have no talent, skill, or ability in. I can so attest I'm, to that. No, so I'm, so I'm very curious from the creative side. Like how do people... Like, how do people work hard? Like, I don't understand. Like, I understand in my in my world That's or in sports or like how like when you say sixteen hours, I, I to me when I hear a song, I don't know what goes into that song. I don't know what like the written part, the right, the right, instrumental. Right. Like for for people that don't know or don't have the creative, can you walk us through what working hard means in the music in industry? In the music industry, yeah. So it starts with imagination, like. Trying to explain to people who don't do music what the the process is is kind of tough because it's sort of David Blaine. Mm. We're literally grabbing things out of the air and hoping that the world will love it. Whatever these crazy ideas are, whatever this crazy song is that you were driving in your car and now you're thinking of, and you can't stop singing over and over and over, and you and you're hoping that so, that this same song, when you go in the studio, it'll become what you hear in your head, and then that other people can't get it out of their head, right? So it starts there. It starts with the imagination. It starts with experiences, right? It's I for me personally, I felt like my inspiration came off of living. Right, like everything that I've ever experienced in life, I try to write about. Um, I've done through music, I, through, through, through expression yeah, through, of through music. the expression, through the music, through the storytelling. Um, but the the hard work side of it is consistently doing it every single day, hmm. right? And so, for me, the work ethic came from my father and him pushing. At first, of like, no, you got, you're not going outside. We're rehearsing, and literally, we were rehearsing for drug dealers' birthday parties. <laughs> wow! Like, no bullshit. Well, that's how you got paid. This I is, mean, that's what musicians made money. I right? mean, yeah, like, but this, we were like, I remember, man, we would we would drive around San Francisco in the Bay Area, and we would just end up at someone's house, <laughs> and my father would be like, "Let's get it." Damn. Damn. And we start lining up, and we perform for their kids. Like there are still people. And you're, that, you're 11 at the time, or no, five? I'm like five. Okay, Jeez. your brother was 11. No, okay, fucking baby. God, damn. right? Like they used to wake me up. We would be in the cars because we would do like after hours places. Little kids, we would do after hours spots. Wow. That would like you know y'all know what after hours spots is and what's going on in after hours. Sure. Especially we in San would, Francisco. We would yeah. come in. <laughs> yeah. We would come in and perform. For the people at the after hours place at one in the morning. On a stage with on how a, many people? On a two a stage. No fucking stage. <laughs> Damn. No. When I say stage, I mean you just like a little <laughs> like a little curb. Listen, <laughs> y'all move out the way. Wow. That's what the stage is. That is would put be, in your right? I mean, that is yeah. But it was wow. it was the work being put in. So, so you're seeing the, too at five years old, 
drinking, prostitution, oh, drugs, the whole thing. No, so no, that's no, what no. when you talk about gleaning experiences, like you got a lot of five year olds are not seeing stuff like that. A lot of forty year olds ain't seeing that shit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I saw things ultimately I wouldn't show my kids, mm-hmm. right? But this was the environment that I was in. Right. And it it also prepared me for life, obviously. Um but this is just what it was, right? So like I said, they would wake me up. I would be in the car asleep. Like, my father would be in there partying, and then he would come out, <laughs> and he like, y'all ready? Wake wake Jay up. Wake me up. It's 1 in the morning on a Wednesday, Tuesday, school night, <laughs> and I'm in there singing and dancing around and learning how to keep the smile on while you perform and make eye contact and and entertain but it was like you said it's the hard work early it was developing um the skill of beating fear right like what i see now with just artists athletes business people fear is crippling it's, it's crippling it's the biggest opponent Mm-hmm. Both, I mean, that, that comes from a long history of people not, like, we, we've talked a lot about that in this podcast, like, this idea of confidence and you learning it at a, long, at, a, at a young age, but it's like exercising, right? You have to exercise, you have to be around people that build you up, you have to understand yeah. that confidence is part momentum, right? And then it's not just going to be a linear line from left to right of good things happening so. in your life, it's rebounding and how you rebound and how you deal with adversity. Mm-hmm. So talk, talk us through that. Cause that's an interesting component of it is how you, you know, tell us about a time in, in your career, you know, given that that's the, the kind of the platform or basis of where your career started of something like a moment in, in your career where you, you got punched in the face and what did you do? What was the experience? And then how did you rebound from that? So I'm 10 years old. My father's in the state penitentiary. Or no, I was nine. Nine years old. My father's in the state penitentiary. He has to go do fed time as well. So in his, the, the well, I don't even know what you would call it, when, when, they're, when they're processing processing him from state to federal, he escapes from prison. He escapes from prison. And gets us a record deal. Wildest shit ever. Wow. Right? He gets us a record deal. How um, long was he out for? Fucking two days and he's, <laughs> no, he's he was, brokering deals? Like, what the fuck? I want to know about that well, he, deal. He took a couple trips. Oh, back and forth. He got out a couple times? No, no, I'm saying he took a couple trips to go make to some go money. Make, oh, okay. Gotcha. I got <laughs> you. Once he was out, he, and he set us up in Los Angeles. Wow. Um, wow. And he gets us a deal. I have to tell the Quick sure. side of it because we're getting to you know the question you asked me of you know when when did the punch in the face come? But I wanted to give a little context to you know how this thing all kind of transpired. So he gets us our record deal during this whole time he's in it. He's a escape convict. Gets us our record deal, but this is 1990, 90. There's no social media. Flying and traveling is different. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. is different. You know what I mean? Shit, I I think the ID might have been on a piece of paper back then. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was just different. Yeah. Right. Um, so he gets us our record deal, but he's in a rush, right? Because he knows at some point they're coming back. So he's just rushing everything with our deal, but the label's loving us. They gave us a shitload of money, um, set us all up, and during this time, he's starting to put pressure on the record label. We were signed to MCA Records, uh, which is part of Universal, that whole system. And he's putting this pressure on to make them do everything. We're going to put the video out. I'm going to make them go to radio. You got to put the album out. You got to do this. You got to So everything is accelerated. Like within six months, we have an album out from being signed. And then back then, it's not it's like you can of. go viral. Right. It's not you're, like you're, oh, you're something is buzzing. Right. You're stamping things. <laughs> back then, you can't go. You can't go viral. You can't buzz without a record label. So he's just like I said, he's accelerating everything. We we're we're being put out in the next six months. So, but it's like it's things are rushing. It's not going fast enough. And now he's having issues with the label. 
long story short, somehow, uh, FBI agents show up to MCA Records to come get my father when we're up there. I won't say who called them, but yeah, we they can, came we to can, get him. We can glean. They came <laughs> to get him. And when he goes to jail, that wasn't the punch in the face. Um, because we're, you know, we're still signed. Our album is actually out at this time. Um, so I was in a group called the Neutrons. Uh, it's, it's, my last name is New. My middle name is Valentine. Um, and our name, the name of the group is the Neutrons. But if you look at the name, my father's name is Ron Newt. Neutron is Newt and Ron. <laughs> <laughs> we were literally named after him, sure, right? So sure. I tell you what kind of guy he was, sure. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. When he, it's when y'all, he, when but he, it's me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget about me. I created y'all. <laughs> For sure. Literally. <laughs> For sure. Um, so he goes to prison. They, they work it out with the label to keep us on the label, keep us going. But my, I, one of my brothers who, uh, my two brothers are twins. And he's, I'm, I'm 11 at this point. It's about a year is going by from like 9 to 11, you know, in that middle where you turn 10, then you turn 11, whatever. And my brothers are like 16. During this time, <clears throat> excuse me, during this time, my brother, my brother Ronnie gets mixed up in the streets in L.A. And we had already come from that in San Francisco, obviously. You know what I mean? With our background, with my father's background, we had already, you know, we already come from the streets. And he just kind of gravitated back toward it with my father. Creature being, of habit. My father being in prison. So, um, you guys remember, it was a movie called uh, House Party? Yeah. <laughs> so, it was a movie, House Party 2. Yeah. If you watch House Party 2, they actually have our album cover in the record store. It goes by our oh, album shit. cover. You see our album cover, the whole thing. But the the crazier part is we were recording for the soundtrack at the time. We were recording for the soundtrack at the time to perform at the Pajama Jammy Jam. Oh, you shit. You watched the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tony, 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 who yeah. I love those guys. They're sure. Bay Area guys as well. Yeah. They took our place in the movie. Wow. They took our place in the movie because while we were recording, during our recording process for the soundtrack, my brother got killed. He got killed robbing a liquor store. So he got back involved into pretty much the elements that we just came from when my father went to prison. Because now my father wasn't there anymore to kind of be the iron fist to make sure that, you know, we didn't, we didn't get all the way out of pocket. You know what I mean? And, and like I said, when my father went to prison, my brother just kind of gravitated back toward sure. those elements, those people. And just who he in, inherently was, because I'm not even I'm not a person that says, "Oh, well, they made him." Blah, blah, blah. He was no. This is who you know he was as a person, and you know the, the, because the what it well, the other part that happened within the music business. This is just what happens when things slow up in the music business. They cut off the money. Labels aren't just. Like, they'll throw it out for a minute as things are going, but these budgets have to still be open. When my father went to prison, they cut our budget off. So now our, you know, our life is changing. Based on concern for the brand? as that or Based on... Return. The, it's yeah. return. No, yeah. it's business. Yeah. I don't care. What, you can tell right. me sports, music, right. anything. Yeah. If you put a dollar in, you want three out. That's it. Right. And, and yes, we were kids, and they were dealing with kids, yep. but mm -hmm. it was still business. Right? Like at this point they're probably they're probably down one point five on us. You know what I'm saying? No return yet. So they cut the water off until they could figure it back out. Right. Wow. What does that do with us though? Because the one five's already gone. One five gone. <laughs> what? What? One I mean, five. One, one five in nineteen ninety. Hey, listen, now we gotta really, not, you gotta not really we, try to get rid of that. Listen, everything that these rappers are showing right now, <laughs> I did that at ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So So you know, like by most people's standards, you're like hundred and forty years old. Easy dog easy. years. Yeah, dog yeah. Years. <laughs> for sure. But that was that was the punch in the face. It was like on a Tuesday, because I remember the day he died. On a Tuesday, we're recording with Spider-Man and Dr. Freeze, the producers who produced Poison for, Bo for BBD, Jesus. the biggest song in, in the world at, in that day. We're recording with them Tuesday, 
on Wednesday, my brother gets killed. Ain't no bigger punch in the face than that. No. And then I have to watch it on, it was a show called Hard Copy. You guys remember, remember that hard show? Hard Copy. Mm-mm. So Hard yeah. Copy was like a show that pretty much they would tell you before they showed you the bullshit. Like, uh, they were going to show you some, you Shit might want to turn your TV off. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was one of those. But, and I had to watch my brother get killed on TV. Wow. And from being just on Soul Train, two months before that, being on, you know, BT and all these different things, being on a, 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 a tour around the country, performing around the country, to now my brother's gone, my father's in federal penitentiary, and we have nothing. Like, literally nothing. So we go from this five-bedroom, six-bathroom house, swimming pool in the back, to sharing my auntie's apartment in the projects in Fillmore. So and you're still nine or ten years old. Right? I'm eleven. Now. Eleven now. I'm okay. 11. So at eleven, you, you've you're, lived a life. You're being, <laughs> but, but you're being asked to be twenty-one. Nah, or I, mean, 30, I was you're, paying taxes. Shit. So I guess I, I mean, yeah, like so you're somebody had to pay the taxes. You're an eleven-year-old adult, right? So okay, so so let's yeah. talk about. So that was the punch in the face. So then, what do you do? Like, what impact and what did what did you do about it to like resolve? To figure, how figure did it you out? how did you come to some sort of resolution? As an eleven-year-old, I, I didn't figure it out immediately. Obviously. Um my first thing was adapting to my new environment, or which was my old environment before. But when I was in that environment before, I had my father, who was the you rock. Know, the, not only the rock, but the king of the jungle. He was a legend. You know what legendary. I'm saying? Like my father is, you know, is cemented in the streets of San Francisco forever. You know what I mean? So I go back. Without that, too. You know what I mean? I'm just thrown into whatever this shit got to offer me, which was just the streets and everything that came along with it. So I adapted by becoming a hustler. I adapted by becoming a hustler, and my first business was I started a bike business. I started a bike business uh, because out of our record deal, I was the youngest, so I couldn't get a car. So I bought the most expensive bike I could find <laughs> at some whatever fucking bike store. Yeah. You know, I found some $1,500 dirt bike, whatever the fuck yeah. it was, to yeah. ride around with. And it was like the one thing I had left from wow. my yeah. hard work yeah. as, an, as an entertainer and as a singer and having a record deal and all these things. Um, because also the government took the rest of the money because my father was an escaped convict and his name was on the Oh, like uh, restitution? Or? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he took that. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow. they, they so like whatever it. I made as a child, when I turned 18, they took already. Wow. So I didn't even have and I for a long time I thought I had that waiting for me. So from like that 12, yeah. 11, 12 to yeah, 18, a, a I'm like, oh yeah, they, it's probably some, you know what I mean? A couple <laughs> dollars waiting for me. <laughs> Shit. Nope. Not a dollar. So I start my business. I realize, so I've always been one of those people. I've never thought about reinventing the wheel. I didn't know what I was thinking at that time, at that age, but I always thought about making the car run smoother. Okay. So I'm watching, watching my neighborhood, and I'm watching drug dealers. And I'm watching how they're getting around. I'm like, but they're, you know, they're confined to these few blocks that is their neighborhood. They gotta walk from here. They gotta walk from there. It's like, okay. Um, it's a big, it's, you know, guy arrested dead. One of my guys, he passed. Huge, big time guy in my neighborhood back in the day. Saw me ride my bike, and it was like, I need your bike. It's like, what? It's like, I, just, I need a bike. I need to get to. It was, but it wasn't. He wasn't going far far enough that he needed to drive. He was like, you know, he needed to ride his bike over here. Maybe he had a stash over there. Maybe he had some over there. So he's like, I need, little bro, can I get the bike? I was like, yeah, $5. (laughs) Right? This is literally how it came. I was like, $5. He's like, all right. He gave me $5. He rented my bike. Okay. 
<laughs> so this is good. I need more bikes. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I need more five dollars. Wait, so you were Uber back in 1992? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Boy would say, yeah. I was first. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they always say you don't want to be first, you want to be second because the first guy loses a lot. Man. The second guy comes in like, hey, you got a good idea. But then my but, but then my business got illegal. Right. So the neighborhood I'm from, you guys are from the Bay Area. What happened? Well, you can't rent bikes? Hey, I didn't have enough of them. So how do we, how do you get more bikes? You steal, steal bikes. We got to steal the bikes. <laughs> got to borrow, <laughs> borrow them, borrow them. No, no, we were still listening. The statute of limitation is over on that shit. Okay, all right. We were stealing bikes like a motherfucker. <laughs> right? so, um, if anybody's familiar with San Francisco, where I'm from is down the street or down the hill from the full house um, what would you call that the, the show? The full house, uh, but the actual, you know, the house, the the house, the yeah, full yeah, house, yeah. house, yeah, yeah, the, the actual house. house, right, right. Multi million dollar brownstones are literally walking distance to the projects. Most people that aren't from San Francisco have no idea about right. that. But you go up Grove, and you get to to the park, and where you know what I mean? It's right there where those houses are. I'm from Grove and Buchanan, which is right down the hill. So, got a couple of my buddies. <laughs> Good bikes. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> because I had to get my bike fixed one day. And I realized an older guy showed me that an Allen wrench, yeah. at that time, those, those bikes, I don't know about the bikes now, but an Allen wrench literally can do everything you need for a bike. That little-ass piece that yeah. they sell at Ikea now for the yeah. front. Yeah, the, the L wrench. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, I'm like, okay, I just need one of those. And I can just, we got to go get these bikes. What I realized is that people... Back then, I don't know what they do now. I don't steal bikes anymore. But they only they only locked up one tire. Right. They would only lock up one tire, excuse me, of the bike. So we would <laughs> we would unlock that tire mm-hmm. and run down the hill with yeah. the rest so of the bike. So technically, you didn't steal the whole bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I only yeah, stole yeah. a piece, yeah. dog. <laughs> yeah. I think you missed your calling, Mr. Defense Attorney. <laughs> I, I know. And, they don't pay well enough. <laughs> and then we had this little patio in the projects. And I just had 30 bikes on wow. And I would be taking pieces from one bike, putting them to this. The, you know, if one of my friends stole a bike and they brought it to me. That was a dollar. No, I would, <laughs> okay. I would give them. Because I was, then I start, I start was renting the bikes and then I start selling them. Because I ended up selling mine. My, my, the, the one the, I brought the from master LA, bike. The master bike because I needed more money. So I sold it for like 350 I got like $350 from the same guy who rented the one. He yeah. liked the bike. I ended up selling it to yeah. him. An original, um, and I would pay the guys fifty dollars for every bike they brought me, and I would sell it for one fifty. Because I would have to do the labor, because they would bring me a piece of a bike, you know what I'm saying? But I need it. I'm like, okay, I got a tire from here, I got a this from there. I'm fair literally deal. on the patio, like fixing. My mother would be like, I'm like, these are all my friends' bikes, like they just need their bikes fixed, right. like they pay me a couple dollars. I'm fixing bikes. Right. I had a full bike. Ring. I don't know if that's a thing. Is yeah. that a thing? It is now. A bike ring. Like I, had a, I had a bike ring. I believe ring. that's being of a new show. Bike ring. I was <laughs> I was renting bikes wow. five dollars a day. And I was selling bikes for hundred and fifty. And if you rented my bike, I would walk around my neighborhood and I would look for you. I would lit and I'm I'm like this tall. But I would be walking around there like the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> like you seen such and such? Like, nah, I said, he got my bike, so tell him. <laughs> Come yeah. see me. But I'm yeah. talking about like big time drug dealers. Yeah, like, right, you know, yeah. <laughs> big time enough to me. I'm 12. They're they're 19. Right. Yeah, we're, we're talking about a 12 year old yeah. here. We're talking about a 12 year old. And I would be I would be looking for my bikes, man. Yeah. And yeah. that was my first business. So that's how I adapted. That's you, it's I, survival. Full. So full. walk us through then. You know, jump ahead a little bit for us to get us into the music industry yeah. and how. So you, you went from performer artist to, bike ring. yeah, to, to, to entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. I call that entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, so walk us through then the start of your career and then tell us a little bit about like some of the things you've done, like you know, songs you've written, things that you've done in LA to, to give us some context. You, you've as literally to, danced around art uh, from a musician's perspective, entertaining, from management. I mean, you've touched all these different yeah. aspects of art. And now you're drawn, and we'll come full circle at the end, but. Yeah, like tell us what you yeah. Give us some of the things on your resume from from an uh, artist perspective and things that you've done in the in the music industry to get to get there. So before I I, so I'm still in San Francisco. 
I'm in San Francisco from like 12 to 18. Um, but I'm back and forth. I went to L.A. for a little bit. My father got out of prison. But I became a basketball player. I really liked basketball. And it was kind of like my saving grace. That got me away from even, you know, the bike thing, from the whatever else thing that I was involved in. And it gave me something to do and something to focus on. Because when I didn't have music anymore, it was like I didn't have any of that type of focus to where it was keeping me away from trouble, right? Because now I'm like, you know, I'm in stolen cars with guys and I'm the drugs and the this and the, <clears throat> like I said, the bikes. <laughs> and, yeah. and whatever else and if whatever, you didn't find basketball. And whatever mm-hmm. else comes with that, but I found basketball because my brother, my older brother, who was also in the group with me, loved basketball. So I followed suit. He's the reason why I followed into music as well. He's the one who really kicked everything off, my brother Bobby. Who you you yes. play with him and my nephew is his yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's what really kicked everything off for me. It started with him me following him into music and then me following him into basketball. And then the basketball taught me how to deal with people and taught me how to, in a sense, manage. I wasn't super tall, so of course I played point guard. So now I knew I had to learn how to manage the guy who wants to shoot all the time. The guy who I can only get him to play defense if I find him on the break. <laughs> um, the guy who is our best player but has the worst confidence. So the guy I got to go put my arm around him, be like, man, they can't stop you. I, come on, dog. I got you. You know what I mean? Like, it taught me my early management skills. Right. Sports is a model. I mean, we this this comes up. Uh, a lot. Sports is such a fascinating model for for business and life. I mean, what you're articulating right now is what we so deeply believe in that sports not only opens doors, but it's a perfect model to to learn how to succeed. Um, and you're putting it in the context of managing personality. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. Did you know that at the time? So when you're 18 years old, you're a point... Hell no. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of times you don't, Hell right? No. Like, there's just, these natural I just, things. I want to ask you the same question that I asked Coach in our in our last conversation was, Leadership. Born, learned, both. Leadership? Mm-hmm. Like, just the idea that you just said, which is leadership. Leadership is born. Can it be learned? No. Really? No. Can't to be a leader, no. Really? Because there also takes, there takes, it takes certain... Um, characteristics? Certain characteristics. And to be a leader, you also have to be a risk taker. You can't learn to take risk. You don't think so, huh? Oh man, like there's the, there's you watch kids, right? And there's certain kids. I try that, not to. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Keep me away. Cool. cool. <laughs> cut. Those, cut. Those, those things are dangerous and expensive. <laughs> Financial disasters. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry for. I told you I was gonna at one point have to apologize for things. No, that's amazing. I apologize. <laughs> I just realized I'm the only man up here with no kids. I mean, uh, I mean, with I, kids. I, I may have a few in Sweden, but I'm not sure. I, Rachel, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, but the point I was making with that was that you watch the kid that you take to the beach and the one that wants to run into the ocean. You can't teach that. No. Because you can tell a kid, like, go run out there. And they're like, I'm not. Mm, this is, I'm a drown. So you throw them out there, right? You can. You know what? You, you know what's. You know what's interesting. And and parenting one. So so we have conflict. We we're Definitely friends. Listening to your we're, we're friends, but we're not. Sometimes we have conflicts. I, I majored in religion. He majored in actually making things happen. And there, it's. I, I want to take this biblically because there's an interesting. I I think it's Old Testament. There's a story about. I know this is. You're going to be interested in this, but you know you're I'm, you're hitting on something that that's spoken about biblically. And 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 it was, we, someone was trying to train and pick a team, pick the soldiers to fight. Against, I believe it was the Amalekites, uh, if, I, if my memory serves me right. But so they went through a trial. It, it was just like a basketball trial. They saw I could shoot, saw I could pass, saw I could dribble. Um, and and the story goes that the w- the way the soldiers were selected is they said, "Okay, take a break." And the way they picked the soldiers is there were people that took the water from their hand and drank the water, and then there were the the men who went right into the water and drank like a like a beast right and that's how i think it was king solomon perhaps 
he chose his 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 so, army. His yeah. ar- so it's it's yeah. it's what you're speaking to in yeah. a, in a way. There's yeah. traits. I I believe so. You know, no, 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 and but, I, I don't know if I'm right or wrong in that. But no, 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 I, you no, no you're wrong. But um, I was just. <laughs> <laughs> we don't always have to agree, right? right? Like right, the right. reason that I ask is not so I can have somebody tell me what I already believe, yeah, but right. it's I I love listening to what everyone believes, right. and I'm already gonna. I can always change my opinion, but I think asking enough people what leadership skills that they have, how they developed them, how they exercise them, I think is important. And a lot of times. I do believe that there's some inherent traits of leadership that come no, sure, from, sure. from an early age. I think parents um, identify it and exercise it at a young age and encourage it at a young age. Uh, but I think sometimes it fizzles, right? Like, and I don't think that leadership in different stages of your life is necessarily born with. Like if the 50-year-old can learn and, and, and create leadership skills and qualities down the road. So it's a fascinating topic, right? There's not, right. A, lot, there's not a lot of actual hard evidence one way or the other it's more of a belief and an experience level that but that's why i'm always curious to to find out what what people think yeah so so from 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 that point on um you know i i went through my my stage of i guess learning what i was ultimately going to be i had no idea and i you know i'm i'm getting through high school I, i get through high school i'm a basketball player at this point in my mind um, and I keep having things that, that bring me back to music. Just have, I mean, like, obviously when my father got out of prison, he was just like, listen, you're you going, sing, you sing. You're, you're going back. <laughs> but at this point I'm 13 turning 14. I feel like I'm, you know, at least a young man and I got my own thoughts and what I want to be and what I think this is going to be. And, um, you know, I'm, we're kind of, you know, we're back and forth on it. It's a little combative. Uh, but I, I'm realizing, though, without saying it, how much I still love music, right? Like, it's still it's still something that's pulling at me that I, I want to be a part of. And um, so ultimately, you know, the time goes by, I get, I get out of high school, and I'm making my decisions on life. Hmm. On, you know, because my, my parents let me, they let me make a lot of decisions for myself outside of like, you know, my father really wanted me to do music and, and being, you know, heavy on that. But for the most part, like I had, maybe they identified that in me, like you said, right. They identified that. Okay. He can, he makes sound decisions even for a young Cause they're guy. the point guard of your life. Right. Right. They got to say, Hey, this kid can do this. Well, he right. can't do this. Well, we need to accentuate that. We need to exercise that. There's they a lot let of me, they let me rock though. They really yeah. did let me rock. But that's the leadership part of yeah. it as a parent. that They have to p- they have to pull it from you is what I think. Of course. I'm just going to keep going back to that. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm convincing you in the next no, no, 20 minutes. No, no, you're not. No, no, no. I was born like this, though. <laughs> Great so, response. So I, um, I had $150. Because you sold a bike? Sold some other shit. <laughs> and then I had, you know, then yeah. I had to spend some shit. I had to yeah. buy shoes. And, you know what yeah. I mean? I had to. Yeah. I always had to buy shoes. That's fair, yeah. same. So um, I had 150 had $150 and an opportunity to fly to L.A. Um, a guy had, that I had met during my teenage years doing the back and forth music thing with my father when he first got out uh, was like, yo, you know, come out here and you know, I'll introduce you to some people. Um, you know, I want to hear the stuff you're working on. Like I literally cold called him. So I'm like, yo, like, what's going on out there in L.A.? Because I didn't want to be a starving student. I didn't want to be a starving student. and I didn't want to be a drug dealer. And to me, staying in the Bay Area, those were my two options. Mm -hmm. I could be a starving student at a school or I could sell drugs. Those are my options in my mind. Motivated then a little bit by fear? No, motivated not by, by what? Motivated by I need to, I need to get to some money, like. But the fear of being poor. Yes, yes, the fear of being poor. Yes, the fear of being poor, but not even the fear of being poor because I had been poor, so I knew what it felt like, okay. and I knew I could handle that. Because you just, could get money doing just, the other two things. But I just wanted it right, okay. and I wanted it now. I didn't want to live under anybody's roof, like I was that kid. Like I'm, somebody telling me what time I got to come to the house. I'm about to be 18. 
And your 18 is a little different than most people's 18. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just based on you're, what you're I'm about hearing. about 47 by 18. Oh, like straight up, like that yeah. is a different, you've li- lived a different life, right? Your father, if he's a legend within San Francisco, you see that. You see how he interacts with people. You see how it's he implicit. gets people. You get you see how he gets people to do things for him. Like you see that at a young age. Yeah. That's a that's a I mean, that's a PhD in life skill, right? right. And to some degree it's alluring. Right. Yeah. It is alluring, right? Because there's a there's a level of CEO status in the streets. Right. You know what I oh, mean? There's like no doubt. The, the guy oh, that walks in as the big businessman yeah. is the same guy that walks in as the big dope boy or the big, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. Sometimes yeah. it's like, different too because the dope boy has people that do other things for him that protect him and the CEO it's just kinda, so much. The street is a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it is business. It is business. But yeah. it is business. It does come right? down to dollars and cents. So I take the chance on myself. I, I jump out there. I get out there. I have, um, I have 10 songs. I've written 10 songs that I had with me. Were you writing all throughout your life? I started writing at 15. Okay. My brother, once again, was like, yo, you should try it. My brother just was like, yo, you should, because he was writing. My brother wrote most of our album at when we were kids. Okay. Uh, when wow. he was 10. Wow. Like, he just he just had it. Wow. And his daughter now has it. Like, she's, I think, 9 or 10, and she's already writing songs. Like, it's just something that, that passed on for them. Hmm. Neither one of my kids are in, involved in music yet. They don't. You know, yeah, my my boy want to play basketball. Yeah, um, he, can, he can hoop. And my daughter <laughs> loves soccer, so okay. they're more on the athletic side. Um, but once again, me following my brother Bob and him telling me that he thought I should try it. So from 15, I started writing songs, all terrible, <laughs> horrible songs. Like the first song I wrote about comparing some girl to ice cream or whatever. It, <laughs> It so, sounds familiar. If I find it somewhere, shit, I might be able to flip it. Hey, it might be a TikTok you know what? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Wait, that sounds that's great. That's a fucking hit. Hey, do, we, do we get to own that because we created that together? No. Uh, no. Okay, no. okay. Oh, sorry. No, no, All right. no, no, Don't no. worry. Win wouldn't do anything with it. No, anyway. Nobody owns my publisher. I got you. Nobody. I, got you. I own my publisher. You learned that. Right? So I get out there. I got these songs, and it's my first time I realize what the competition in music is. It takes me to some studios. And, I, and I'm just listening. I don't play any of my songs. And I'm listening to these guys. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> right? This yeah, is I got to get better. This is my first yeah. thought, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm fucking terrible. Like, my songs don't, they don't add up. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to, like, critique everything. I'm like, my background sound fucked up. I'm, I don't know if, this, if I told the story good. Like, I'm... I'm really going through my my mind, right? But I'm like, I'm cooler than him. <laughs> I sing better than you know what I mean. I'm, I, but yeah. I'm finding my shit too, right? right? But I'm like, but I ain't on the level. I knew it though. I'm like, I'm not on the level. I got I got work to do. That's a level of self awareness that at that age is super rare, bro. That, I thank God for that. One hundred percent, yeah. Because I. There's people that never find that self-awareness. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They no, think I, the ice cream I, I song in I 1990. Meet I meet them every day. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. I and s- that, okay, so <laughs> I want but I want to hold it I want to hold this thought cuz there's two levels that we've talked about, right? It's this level yeah. of awareness that you want, but also this level of I believe in myself so, so much, much that, that like we've always balance. we go back Absolutely. and forth on like the mentality Kanye West. Right. Kanye it's a great documentary on like mindset and stuff like that and how he looks at the world and thinks and, Kanye, and Kanye so, so 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 talk to me about it like so for you personally and then me, also yeah, in your, in your so, industry yeah. it's got to so be fascinating so for me personally like I said I had the self-awareness of I wasn't there yet but it didn't make me say I can't do it it made me say I got work to do I gotta get better I gotta I gotta work on my craft more more so than saying I'm just here, and they got to take it how it sounds, and I just believe in it so crazy. No, no, no. It's The thing is, is when people do that, it's them, right? You looked mm-hmm. at it and said, I got to get better. It's, it's, it's my shit isn't good enough, and this, what everyone right. does is, well, that producer's problem. Well, that label's problem. You're saying. That coach's problem. We just had this conversation. It's like mm-hmm. this in- inherent like ability to just take ownership, get better, want to get better, yeah. instead of blaming the world, blaming circumstances that, or, or people yeah. around you that are just never going to change. Yeah. I, I always felt like if I, if I blame the world, I'm fucked. You're fucked. You are fucked. Because so much was thrown at me at such a young age. I'm like, oh, I could have I folded a hundred times over. 
because there was always something. I I could have used the excuse. My father went to, to the prison. My brother got killed. My this got that. I live in the projects now. Or this and like, and I just looked at it like, I gotta figure this shit out. I don't want the things that I have and and the things that are and the things that are going on. I started to realize why they were happening. Right? I'm like, okay, well, my father went to prison because doing illegal shit. <laughs> my brother got killed because he was robbing a liquor store. Not not oh. Happened on accident, and like spontaneously. No, no this, this, this is, is these are events that happen because of decisions that were made. Mm-hmm. So it really early on, I started to think about my decision, and one of my decisions was I got to work harder because this isn't good enough yet, right? It, it it all just started to come back around. So I um I didn't play any of the songs for anybody. I tucked them. <laughs> I was like, nobody's going to ever hear these fucking ten songs because they're not good enough. And a friend of mine at the time um, was a, uh, a bubbling producer. He was getting, and I had met him a couple years before. He just found out that I was in L.A. because I had moved around a couple of studios. He literally found out I was in L.A., called the house that I was at, the guy that the first guy that let me sleep on his couch. Just think about that for a moment, having to call the house versus. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. I Trip. Have a, it wasn't no cell phone. Yeah, right. no, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they had them, yeah, but, but I didn't have yeah, them. Yeah, sure. Right? So he he called the house, and he's like, yo, I'm going to come pick you up. It's like, yo, the guy turned out to be Damon Thomas, Kim Kardashian's first husband. Um, And I hate to say it like that, but I say it because he just did a, a podcast. He did Vlad TV. Where he mentioned me, actually. Yeah. And so, but I, like I said, I, I hate to say it like that because he's so much more accomplished than that. Sure. But that's what, that's what he's known for. Right. Right. Uh, in the, in the media sense. Mm-hmm. But he's a Grammy award winning and all these amazing things. But he was the guy who called and was like, listen, like, come by the studio. Come work with me. And. It, it went from there, and I just start writing songs every single day. Tell, what's the most famous song you've written? Um, the most famous song or the most famous project is two different things. Both. So yeah. the most famous project is probably uh, NSYNC. They Talk sold, about it. They sold 13 million records. I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from this one album. I wrote uh, Celebrity, which was the title song to the last NSYNC album. Okay. Ever. Like they're never making another now al- another album. Together. I thought they were touring again, though. No? Nah, no, I just no, had no, this no. conversation with Justin about two months ago. I was like, "Listen, man, the culture is no, way not in sync." What's the other boy band? Oh, New Kids on the Block. Are they touring New again? Kids on the Block because yeah. they ran out of money or something? Nah, uh, man, no, no, no. no. They just like money. Yeah, <laughs> that was no. my first concert Listen, as a kid. Yeah. I grew up on New Kids on the Block. Yeah, so there's not a because thing. I was. Not because I, I mean I had a sister. Hey man, listen, bro. You can like New Kids on the Block. It's okay. It's okay. okay. Not, it's, okay. Not, not, it's still not comfortable. <laughs> no, bro. Like New Kids on the Block was the shit. Dog. Yeah, you're nah, good. Am I turning red right now? Yeah, it's okay. You're you good. Are, you you're are. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're but, sa- it's a safe place. But see, in here, and and I and I'll kind of go to another thing with that because you would you spoke about the money with that, right? Because they, right? That's the first thing people think with music that eventually it just runs out. It can't. But there's one thing that music has that nothing else has is there's always somewhere you can perform forever. So new kids on the block can perform. Please don't go girl until they don't want to for the rest of their life. And somebody will pay them to sing that forever. And that's the one thing that sports doesn't have. Right. There's no, you can't resell that house that you sold already 10 times over. The NFT is creating something yeah. that you know what I mean. Talk like, about that later, right? But <laughs> in music, if you've had a hit, if you've had at least one hit record, a hit record, like a record that people want to hear, somebody wants to hear it somewhere around the world. So let let me ask you a question, just again from the business perspective of music, because when we were kind of growing up, we're we're similar in age, but when we were growing up, what was that app? Apps, Napster. Napster. Yeah. That was a big deal in the music industry, right? You know, it changed the game. It changed the game, right? Mm-hmm. And now there's all of these platforms and they're pay for and, and so there's a lot it's a lot easier to get distribution, right? If you can get it. But there's a right. lot more uh, there's a lot more talent or people that think they can do it. So from your perspective I would take the other side. 
But that's what people I'm saying. People that think they can do it. Exactly. So that's <laughs> not that, a lot more talent. It's a question mark. I don't I don't yeah. know enough about your industry and yeah, your space, yeah. but I want you to talk about it a little bit about what happened at that moment in the music industry and what did it do to people saying, you know what, I got I've got Spotify, I can post my shit, I can do whatever I want. So like, what where are we at right now over the last twenty years? Subscription based now. Right? Right? Like everything is a subscription. But and like if I put a song pieces. I could put a song on Spotify, right? But you're not getting paid as the artist. Well, very well. No, but you, you you're getting paid. You're getting paid, but it's not a lot, right? From because there's so much of it. There's so much music, and there's like a thousands of a penny for every stream type of. Is thing, that what it is? Right. Okay. It's something. And, and, and is that because the label is what owns the master, which is what licenses out? How does that? Um, who wins if well, there is the streaming money? company? The streaming company. Wins. The streaming company wins. So how do labels like walk us through the business so, side of of music? So pretty much the labels went and cut a deal. With this, with these streaming companies, um, and in that deal, you know, they license the records to them so that they would be able to make money together. You know, it's it's really, you know, and they they did what they always do. They did some backdoor shit, and you know, they had enough ownership and enough market share to you know get what they needed, and then their deals. With the artists or what they do is what the artists are. So whatever, it's like, okay, now if you're getting, let's just say, for every dollar they're getting, the artist is getting 15 cents, maybe, right? Depending on how your deal is structured. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have a profit split. You may have a label deal, right? You may share in the in the licensing agreement. You may share in the master. You may own the, ma- the master. It, it can go... So many different ways. Nothing is a blanket deal in the music business. Okay. Right? It just depends on how you come to the table. Now, if you come to the table with no accolades or no buzz or no... Leverage. There's no leverage. There's no pipeline. There's no money for them to know. Like you said, if I put a dollar, I'm getting three back. It's going to be more advantageous for the company. It's just business. Right? And I think what happens with music is creatives like we get in a space of it's our baby i wrote that song i wrote that about a girl who broke my heart or i wrote that about some situation it's truly I wrote soulful this, it's, i it's, wrote it's, this it's about you. my mother well that song you wrote about your mother helped pay for your groceries and when you needed to buy groceries you might have undersold it because you were hungry Right. And that's the business side. And that's the ugly side people look at. But nobody like my first publishing deal was terrible. Fucking horrible. But it made it so that I didn't have to become a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. So it saved me five to ten. So tell me, what are you doing right now? Like, what are the things that you're working on in L.A.? Tell me about what what life looks like for you right now. So now I've I've gravitated over the last probably 10 years to more of the business side. Okay. Um, I've been, you know, an executive in the music business full time the last 10, 12 years. So are you now identifying talent? Yeah, but I was always identifying talent. Okay. I was always helping people get deals. I was putting people in in place to do certain things, but I was doing it just kind of on some for the love because I was still doing my creative side and I was making my money that way. Um, And I was writing songs for people and, you know, um, probably my biggest song from an R&B sense is probably Tanks When We was a, a multi-platinum record. Um, Can you riff right now? Uh, not for free. Not I for free? Yeah, I don't, I'm not one of those. <laughs> and listen, guys. here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. From the business side, I'm willing to give you point zero 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 one percent of however many downloads we get from this. But what I was going to say was, you didn't let me finish before. I already had to go in and negotiate it. But what I was saying was... Can you riff about wins basketball game? Oh. Oh. No, nah, man, I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't come to talk about basketball. <laughs> no, I, that's, that's just that's, just you know, a subtle. Dig. So listen, it's Look. a it's a very it's a very uh, exclusive. No, it's fair. We don't talk about yeah. it. Yeah, but there there it's is fight, is a fight club. There's there's some elite. <laughs> just know there's some elite shit that you're not invited to. How about that? 
I create my own doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. told me you play football, man. They said like, yeah, 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 yeah you yeah. would definitely be invited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And See, since I'm the commissioner, there actually, you, go. you know what? I think he was invited. I think you were invited, but you said, you know what? I'm I always invited, pal. You wait. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Wait for an invite? That's not no, how I got to where I'm at in life. No, no it's funny because that's literally what we 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 say yeah. about the room. Is like it's invite only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So nobody gets invited. They just show up. Yeah, I've definitely had to talk about management skills. Yeah, I've had to like yeah. Yeah, you but that's the basketball. Yeah, shit. It's the yeah. commissioner. But stuff. yeah, from a, from the music standpoint, bro, like the the deals are they're, they're structured very different. It doesn't, you know, it's it's ne- and like when people say, "Oh, this is industry standard," they're fucking you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm Best saying? Practices. Like, yeah, <laughs> like because and it's what you what you think you're worth or what you think it's worth, mm-hmm. and you have to stand on that. Is what I believe, right? So those those actually translate to any business, mm-hmm. right? Those are yeah. just business fundamentals that I right. think can can apply to a lot of different people. What you know, and again, if you're a W two job and you're negotiating with your boss, I always say like right now, people should negotiate. It's so competitive out there. People are oh. leaving thirty percent of their dollars on the Listen, table. I be throwing out some crazy ass numbers, mm-hmm. and sometimes I get them right. Yeah, right. And it's funny because you know, Tank's my business partner, R and B singer. And uh, businessman as well, and sometimes me and him would just get on the phone and laugh. He'd be like, "What'd you ask for?" <laughs> He's like, "Did you? Did, what'd they say?" I said, "They say yeah." <laughs> it's crazy, and that's just what this shit is. It's we, like, okay, shoes, right? We all know where these shoes get made. We all know how much it costs to make them. We're out here paying aftermarket prices. Not the 150, but the 280, the 300, the 450, because it's just something we wanted. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want it, don't get it. Right. And this is the conversation that I have with promoters, with labels, with different people in the music business every single day. They're like, oh, you know, we're, this is what we, you know, we think. Well, that's not enough. Well, y'all crazy for, you gonna tell me what our talents are worth? No. You got any tips then on negotiating? I think anybody that what no matter what industry, no matter what you're doing in your life, want to know some um, different tips and tricks on negotiating. Do some research. Do the numbers. You should know the actual numbers, right? Like let's say we, we're talking we're talking touring. We're talking hard tickets. Right? If you're a guy who can sell out a venue that's a let's I like to do round numbers. If you're a guy who can sell out a venue that 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 uh, capacity is a thousand. You sold a thousand hard tickets yourself. Eight. You should look at what the ticket price is. You know what the giveaways are. Literally, do your homework. Figure out how much this shit is going to net, and then you should ask for more than that, and see if they go for it. And if they don't, y'all find y'all way somewhere around there. But right. in that, like, let's say a guy who can sell out a thousand tickets. He should be getting 50 grand a night. VIPs, meet and greets. You know what I'm saying? Like food and beverage. What, food yeah, and beverage that the artist doesn't, doesn't touch. Get, right? We don't touch any of that shit. Right. You're gonna want a piece of the merch money. You're gonna, you know what I mean? It's your building. You go now, you're doing less promoting because of my social media. My artist has two million followers. He getting to more people than you getting to. So we're doing marketing for you now. Most people won't even book artists who don't have a, a big enough social standing now. Right. Because they're not going to, and buying as, as many radio ads in, in, in those buys in TV spots anymore. Now they're saying, oh, well, can you do this drop for us? Can you, can you make him post it on his page um, on this <laughs> yeah. day? Yeah. I'm marketing at, for you now. At this time on Tuesday? So <laughs> you figure out how to get the rest of that money. But for that thousand seater, I probably need fifty. Right. Two thousand, I need that hundred. <laughs> and we're gonna start keep. You know what I'm saying? So when you see a, a guy doing Staples Center, I need that half a million, two million dollars, million dollars, whatever. We're we gonna find wherever that ticket price is. Sure. And that's where we're going. And that's what I want tonight. Makes sense. And I like that preparing, understanding your numbers. That's again it's business. Got, yeah. That's business one one. All right. So so before we wrap, right, let's just ask you a couple fun questions about it. Okay. All right. Let's just let's just start. So tell us something, a dirty secret about LA or the music industry that nobody knows. It doesn't have 
You don't have to name names. That nobody knows? Well, at least like common people like Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> um, See, I like to put you on the spot a little bit. Let's just talk um, about some of the uncommon that, questions. Shit. Just a little, little, little L.A. secret, little I mean, music I, I, industry LA, secret. I mean, not, not yeah, just not even a L.A. secret. Music industry, uh, music industry secret. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if it's a secret because I don't think they pe- people purposely hide it. That your lawyer is best friends with their lawyer, hmm. and just take that however you want to take. Does that it. not sound like Louis Ziskin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. take that however you want to take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care how much you think. <laughs> They're, they either Fair. went to some university together. Yeah. They yeah. worked at some label together. This is, and now they're handling everybody's business. Who's the, who's a person in the music industry that you respect the most, and why? First, crazy first. because this person is one of my best friends, and he's actually younger than me. Um, Larry Jackson, he's the head of Apple Music. He's been my friend since we were, you know. We were both from San Francisco. Um, came up in this game pretty much together. But I respect the path he's taken um, to get to where he's at because he's he's been in the service industry the entire time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, for me, I'm, I've been on the creative side, too. So I know how it is to just be like, ah, bada fucking, bada I, ain't, yeah. I ain't doing that. I don't feel like it. I just got to show up to this when I want to. But actually grinding purely from the service side is really, really tough. And I've watched him go from radio. He was a yeah. radio disc jockey sure. at KMEL. Yeah. Yeah. 106. <laughs> to, That's you right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> to being, you know, the head of A&R. At J Records and at Interscope Records, and then literally being one of the first guys to truly merge music and tech with the Beats by Dre deal. He was a part of that with Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. And then helping Timberland and 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 Swiss Beats build up verses. And just the things that he's been a part of, but then watching him also go make records with Whitney Houston. <laughs> Like I respect the shit out of that's the awesome. things that he's done, that's, and it's um, pretty dynamic. And yeah. He's a, and he's a guy who you know I tap in with a lot, and, and he taps in with me, which is you know it's, it's my guy, right? Um, but I just respect the path, and I respect um, I respect him just sticking in there. Last question before we wrap: You had a really unique experience as a child, mm-hmm. both from the the entertaining side of it, but also from the parenting side. You're a parent now. Wrap up with this of how you're taking that entire life experience, including your your childhood, you as a son, you as a brother, and now you as a parent. How are you parenting your kids with that that background? What are important things to you, and and what are some things that you want to instill in your children, and how are you doing that? Reality. I stand on reality. I don't sugarcoat. I talk to my kids as humans. I don't talk to them as children. Like, we have our moments, right, you know? Like, um... I'm a loving father, obviously, for me, you know what I mean? But we talk very candid about life and about preparing them for what's coming and how they'll, you know, and we never know how they're going to deal with it. Nothing's linear. You know what I mean? But I, I give them as much reality as possible. I tell my son all the time, you like our life, right? This ain't your life at some point. You have to create your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yes, there will be things for you that will be handed down to you, but to maintain the lifestyle that you're you're accustomed to, you're going to have to do your own work. And it's a very real thing. And I have a teenage son, so we're we're here, right? And I'm not a father that's like, oh, I'm I'm cutting you off, and you got to go figure it out. No, but you still have to go get yours. And it's a very, and those are very real conversations that I have. So for my children, that, that that's the, to me, that's the best parent I can be is a parent who lives in reality and not this fictitious world of, oh, yeah, if you just go do this 
everything will work out. Right. You or everything's I mean? going to work yeah. out all the time for everyone well, and, and, and yourself included. And that, that translates from a, from, so viscerally as a parent, mm-hmm. right. But from a business perspective, I would, I would assume that there, that if there's similar traits there when you're, when you're trying to manage and direct someone and teach them about the business and how mm-hmm. things can go or not go, it, it, it transcends it. So, you, but you it's life, yourself. not it's even life. business. Yeah, no, like, that's what I'm saying. Is, it transcends it. it it's everything. Real, yeah. It's so, everything. That's 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 awesome. Was uh, there any was there anything from your father that you're like, man, I want to teach my kids that too? Um his his imagination. Hmm. His imagination and his ambition. Yeah. Right? Because my father didn't have any leg up at all. But he he literally gave us a different life. Yeah. Right. He created like, it, right? He he absolutely. Right. He absolutely created it and he um he saw it. He saw it before anybody else and when no one else saw it. And right. you know, I remember the days of people laughing about, "Oh, you got these kids and these glitter outfits and the, you know what I'm saying? Like but he like cuz they're stars." Yeah. And his you know what I mean? Like this is what yeah. he's thinking and this is you know, his outlook of this is their way out. Cuz for him nobody had seen out Everybody had seen the penitentiary, the graveyard before they reached their dreams. Right. Well, that's awesome, Jay. Thank you for coming. This was a, a super exciting. Nah, to thanks, man. This is fascinating. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming Absolutely, down. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, awesome. This this will wrap it up. Just just as I've I've had to learn about this, so just give me a second, uh, listeners, audience out there. Just so you know, we're we're on every platform. You know, YouTube, whatever yeah. the hell he did, TikTok, all that stuff. Just download, like us, do all that stuff. Um, again, thank you very much Absolutely. for coming. Uh, I think this wraps it up, and let's have some dinner and, and have some fun right now. Huh? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. Absolutely. All right, thank you.